Friends, today, throughout the whole world, the church is celebrating the first ever Sunday of the Word of God. On September 30th of last year, which is the feast day of St. Jerome, Pope Francis declared that the third Sunday in ordinary time is to be devoted to the celebration, study, and dissemination of the Word of God. So in accordance with today's feast, right after the gospel was proclaimed, we enthroned the book of the Gospels here in front of the ambo. We placed candles next to it, and we incensed it, although I forgot that. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, sometimes priests get nervous too, just so you know. Uh, all of this, including the incense, which I didn't do, all of this is a symbol of the particular attention that we are paying today to the role of Scripture in our lives as well as an image of how we can treat the scriptures throughout our journey of faith, not just today. From all eternity, God has desired to make himself known to us so that we might experience his goodness. And his desire to share himself with us reached its culmination in Jesus Christ, the word of God. Before Christ through his creation and through the oracles of the prophets, mankind came to know God, but not fully. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In times past, God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, he spoke to us through a son, whom he made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. God spoke to us through his Son when, to quote that beautiful passage of the prologue of the Gospel of John, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. There's no further revelation that we await. God has spoken to us fully through Jesus the Word of God made flesh. In relationship with Him, we have the answer to the longings of our heart. We have light to illuminate our path to perfect fulfillment, and we have grace to strengthen our steps. Now, I mentioned that Pope Francis's declaration for today's celebration took place on the feast day of St. Jerome. St. Jerome was a priest who lived in the 4th and 5th centuries, and he's perhaps most famous for his translation of the Bible from its original languages of Hebrew and Greek into the language that everyone spoke, which at that time was Latin. He also wrote many commentaries on the scriptures, and there is one line in his commentary on the book of Isaiah that the church has continued to teach ever since. Ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. To receive the answer to the longings of our heart, to see the light that illuminates our path, and to have the love that strengthens our steps in our journey to heaven, we must know the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh, and he has given himself to us in the Eucharist. But if we don't know him, our Holy Communion at Mass is shallow. 
Jesus is both the Word made flesh given to us in the Eucharist and the Word inspired given to us in the Scriptures. To celebrate this Sunday of the Word of God, let's seek to treat the Scriptures with the same reverence with which we treat the Eucharist. I want to offer three ways that we can grow in our devotion to the Word inspired. Number one, understand how the readings are organized at Mass. Number two, study the Scriptures. And number three, pray with the Scriptures. Let's go briefly through these three ways. So number one, understand how the readings are organized at Mass. Now I imagine like many of you, I'm a cradle Catholic. My mom and dad took me to Mass before I could understand what was going on. And naturally, when I grew up, as I was growing up, I simply accepted much of what we do at Mass without question. It never occurred to me to ask why those particular readings were chosen or to ponder what kind of connection they may have with one another. So if you're in a similar boat or if you've ever felt like you're not getting anything out of Mass, I have great news for you. Because perhaps the easiest way to get more out of Mass is to understand how the readings fit together. There's a beautiful harmony that can help us to come to know Christ more fully and enter into the Mass more deeply. Now, discussing how all of the readings fit together in each of the seasons of the year would take many homilies. So for the sake of time, I'm just going to focus on ordinary time. That's the season that we're in right now. We'll look first at the big picture and then at the small picture. So in terms of the big picture, throughout the 34 weeks of ordinary time, we read all the way through one of the Gospels. And this year, we're reading through the Gospel of Matthew. So the readings at Mass on Sunday will follow something like Matthew chapter 4 on one week, and then Matthew chapter 5 on the next week. And then Matthew chapter 5 a little bit later down on the week after that, you see? So it goes on like that. Today, we started at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry when Jesus calls his first apostles. And at the end of this liturgical year, we'll have read through the whole gospel and have arrived at the end of his public ministry, right before his passion and death on the cross. We read those readings at other times in Lent and whatnot. So that's the big picture. The big picture organization allows us to walk with Jesus throughout his public ministry over the course of a year, hearing his teachings, witnessing his miracles, and getting to know him by hearing what he did and what he said during his earthly life. Now time for the small picture. The various readings for each Sunday are also organized, right? And the focal point is the gospel. As you know, each Sunday has an Old Testament reading, a psalm, a New Testament reading, and then a gospel reading. Now, the gospel text is chosen first according to that principle of continual reading, which we just described. Then, the reading from the Old Testament is chosen according to the principle of harmony. In other words, the Old Testament reading is selected because of the harmony it has with the reading from the gospel. 
So let's look at that harmony today. Today in the gospel we heard, Jesus left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. All right, there's more to it than that, but that will give us, you know, what we need to see how it's in harmony with the first reading. That gospel is the focal point today, and the reading from the Old Testament was chosen to fit in harmony with it. We heard in the first reading the actual prophecy from the book of Isaiah that Matthew, the gospel writer, cited. In the first reading, we read, First the Lord degraded the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the end he has glorified the seaward road, the land west of the Jordan, the district of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So there's always harmony in every Sunday Mass between the gospel reading and the first reading. And sometimes it's very explicit, like it is today, and other times it's more subtle. So a great way to get more out of Mass, to appreciate the gospel more fully, is to see how the first reading harmonizes with the gospel. And that can be a great springboard for prayer. Now, with the Old Testament reading chosen, we move to the psalm that we generally sing. It's not just what they happen to sing very well. It's also chosen in harmony with the Old Testament reading. Today's psalm was Psalm 27, and in it we prayed, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And this verse harmonizes very well with the prophecy that we read in the first reading from Isaiah, which stated, Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So that psalm will also always harmonize with the gospel. And today, it reveals that Jesus is the Lord. He is our light and He is our salvation. Now, Finally, the New Testament reading, the second reading at Mass, usually it comes from one of St. Paul's letters. Now, the New Testament reading is not chosen according to the principle of harmony. It's actually on an independent track from the rest of the readings, and it's also chosen according to that principle of continual reading. So just as we more or less go straight through the gospel, we also more or less go straight through the readings, the, um, the letters of the New Testament, St. Paul, St. James. So today we began with the beginning of St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. So in a homily, a priest very well could preach only on the second reading, and that would be a fine option since the New Testament writings are so rich and so helpful for us to come to know Jesus Christ. So there you have it, the big picture and the small picture of how the readings are chosen and how they fit together. So a great way to grow in knowledge of Christ would simply be to come to Mass early, early enough to read the readings ahead of time and appreciate how they're connected. The more deeply that we come to know our Lord in the sacred scriptures, the more intimate will our holy communion with him at Mass be. 
it's perhaps the easiest way to get more out of Mass. Right? So there you have the first way we can grow in devotion to the Word inspired. The second and the third way that we can grow in devotion to the Scriptures is simply through study and prayer. Understanding what the scriptural, what the scriptural text truly means is the foundation on which we can build our life of prayer, and that does require a bit of study. I would not have been able to appreciate today's first reading without doing some research. I think that's pretty common since none of us have lived in the 700s BC, all right? We have to know what's going on to know what our Lord is trying to tell us, and today that would clearly mean we need to know what is Zebulun and Naphtali, right? Now, we need to know that to understand what the Lord is trying to tell us, but how often do we simply say the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, without actually trying to know what he's communicating to us? It happens, at least for me, quite a bit. So friends, let me give you a great tool for understanding the scriptures. I'm not talking about a particular Bible commentary, as helpful as they are. I'm talking about the holy, huh? Rather than saying, thanks be to God, but thinking inside, I have no idea what that means, and then simply moving on, right? don't move on. Let the holy, huh, move you to seek what it actually does mean. You can do it. I don't have like an extra brain that like goes into the scriptures. You have access to all the same commentaries that I do. The most important ingredient is simply the motivation, Simply the motivation to come to know the Lord a little bit more deeply. So here is some information that I learned by doing a little research in this first reading. We heard there, First the Lord degraded the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the end he has glorified the seaward road. So when the prophet mentions the degrading of Zebulun and Naphtali, He's referring to the fact that these tribes, they're tribes of Israel, they were the first to be destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. That was the dominant world power during the 700s BC. Assyria came into Israel from the north and destroyed it top down, beginning with the northern tribes, which are Zebulun and Naphtali. They had inhabited the area around the Sea of Galilee. When the same prophet, when Isaiah mentions glorifying the seaward road, he's saying that one day God will restore hope to Israel, beginning in the north, the same place where that hope began to be extinguished so many years before by the Assyrian Empire. And in the gospel, we see this prophecy fulfilled, since Jesus, who is the Savior of Israel, came from the north, from the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. I didn't know that, but that's pretty cool. And now I do. I learned that information from Dr. John Bergsma. He's a Catholic scripture scholar who teaches at Franciscan University of Steubenville, and he blogs at thesacredpage.com, which anyone can read. All it takes is a bit of motivation. So thesacredpage.com is a great resource. If I could offer and recommend one commentary to help you grow in devotion to the word inspired, it would be the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. All right? Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. You can find this online for $25. All right? 
It's a great aid to help you know and grow in intimacy with the Word of God. So let your love for the Lord cultivate in you the holy, huh? And then watch that bring you to deeper knowledge of Him through the study of sacred Scripture. Now finally, the last, the third way that we can grow in devotion to the inspired Word is prayer. So once you have read the text, once you've understood what it means, we should ask, what does it mean for me? Now this personal interpretation can never contradict the literal meaning of the text, but the Word of God truly has many layers, and prayer is one way to the other meanings in the text. So prayer. In the context of meditative prayer, speaking to the Lord as simply you would speak to a friend, you could ask, Lord, what does it mean for me that salvation came from the place of defeat? You know, to share with you on a personal level, it was areas of defeat and failure in my life that brought me closer to God more than any of the areas of success that I've had in my life. It was awareness of my sins that led me to know the power of the sacraments. It was the experience of a hurtful relationship that led me to know that God loves me for who I am and not what I can do for Him. And I would not have grown in my faith in the same way without those experiences of failure and defeat. They became such channels of grace for me. And as I read this passage from sacred scripture, I feel a great gratitude swell in my heart, and I'm drawn to speak to him as to a friend. The scriptures allow us to enter into a heart-to-heart dialogue with our Lord, We don't study the scriptures in the way that someone studies a history book. We study them in order to have a deeper conversation with the one that we love. So there you have it. The Sunday readings, study, and prayer. As we prepare to move to the liturgy of the Eucharist, I want to close with the image of how we started. We enthroned the book of the Gospels. We placed candles next to it. And we should have incensed it. All right? So there's your image. Imitate in your own lives what we have done on this Sunday of the Word of God. Enthrone the scriptures in your heart by engaging the Sunday readings. Let it light your way through study and the holy, huh? And let it raise your heart in prayer to God like incense, speaking to Him from your heart. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.